Well, welcome to uh, our pre-Christmas and Christmas sermon series, Best Gifts Ever. And white elephant gifts usually are not. As we kick off week number one, I want you to think about this question. In five words or less, like how would you summarize Christmas? Like what makes Christmas, well, Christmas? If I gave you five words, what, what would pop to your mind? What would you write on your paper? Maybe write them in your notes that describe what Christmas is all about, the things that make Christmas unique as a holiday. My guess is, for a lot of you, you'd have decorations and lights. Some of you might have family and, and friends. Uh, others of you might include music and, and Christmas songs, the, the things that, that make Christmas Christmas. The, the odds are pretty good that if I asked you for five words, what makes Christmas, in your mind, Christmas, we'd come up with some different things. A lot would be the same, but... On almost each and every one of our lists, I'm guessing that for almost all of us, what makes Christmas, Christmas, separates it from holidays is, is this, gifts. Like Easter, you get baskets with candy, but at Christmas, you get to tear off the paper on things like this. Like there might be some uniques and different holidays that you have. On 4th of July, we have fireworks, but, but you usually don't get gifts. <laughs> when we think of holidays that we celebrate throughout the course of the year, like, like even Thanksgiving, which just went past, we have family and friends and, and food might make the list and might be the same, but, but I don't know about you. No one said, hey, Pastor Tim, I, I got you a Thanksgiving gift. Like Christmas and gifts are synonymous, right? And the odds are pretty good that by now, all the kids who are in here have already made out their list. Like they They've submitted it to mom or dad probably several months ago in advance to make sure mom and dad don't miss out on the best gift ever, the one that they're hoping for. Like, I don't know what's in this gift, but it's to Zach, and if it's from myself and my wife, it means it might be one of the best gifts ever. Like, we make our lists, we, we give them to others, we even ask people the question, like, what do you want for Christmas? My wife, a few weeks ago, did that very thing on behalf of my kids. The kids want to know what you might want for Christmas, what's on your list. And she would tell you every year, I scratch my head and say, I don't know. Like, there's not anything that I really need. I, I don't know what I want. You probably know better than I do. And so as we were starting this series and we talked about it the other day, it, it made me think, like, if I had to put a list together for someone in my family or someone who asked me, what would be the best gift ever this year? And I did what any smart person would do. I, I didn't know what the best gift of 2023 might be, so I Googled it. Don't do that. Like, it won't get you anywhere. Like, the lists are so long, you probably wouldn't find anything that you didn't expect there, and it would only make it harder to identify what the best gift ever would be in your world, from, from self-care items, like things that would make you feel better in your life and bless you, to the latest and greatest gadget or version of your phone or your watch or your uh, new iPad or whatever it is that you might want. I have no clue what it is, but I'm sure there's a new Madden coming out or a new FIFA or, or Call of Duty has to have some kind of new version this year. Somebody over here is like going, yes. Like, what would make the best gift ever? The list didn't help. So then I thought to myself, if, 
If someone asked my wife, what would my wife say would be the best gift ever for Pastor Tim? And she would probably say, to my family at least, like someone needs to get him a new Ohio State sweatshirt. That one is old and tired and I hate looking at it. Not because I dislike the team, but it would be a really good gift. He needs a new one. Like old things get replaced with new ones. She might say, if you could get your hands on some treehouse beer, that would be pretty good. Almost up there with the best gift ever. Pastor Tim really likes that. It's from the East Coast. You can't get it here. Maybe she then would say, if you really want to give him the best gift ever, how about two tickets to Salt Lake City, Utah, or to Atlanta, Georgia, where our kids live? Like, that would be great. And I'm like, that would be. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, those things would be great, but, but are any of them really best gifts ever? Like, if I just asked you quickly to remember last Christmas, what was on your list, what you got, you know, how many of the things that you got last Christmas do you even remember right now you received last Christmas? Like, if, put to the test, if you had to come up with all of them, how many do you think you could actually do it? How many of you could even identify one? Like, I know a few, but even the few that I know, like the gift cards I received, I might not even remember who they came from. Like, that doesn't really make them best gifts ever if it's not so memorable. Like, it, if we really think about it, like, as great as Christmas is, as much as gifts are synonymous with Christmas, like, best gifts ever, if, if we're going to be honest, the, the ones that are memorable, the ones that stand out, the ones that, that you might recall for the rest of your life would have to be so over the top and so big. Like, say you got engaged at Christmas, like, best gift ever might qualify. Like, and I don't know about you, but if you've ever done this for somebody else, like you showed up in your driveway with a car wrapped in a bow from the dealership, that might do it too. <laughs> but for the most part, gifts are great, but gifts by the next Christmas are old. Sometimes they get replaced. Like the odds are pretty good. Some of the gifts that I have received or my wife has received have end up on Facebook Marketplace at some point in her life. Because they were great for a moment, but no longer needed. And so in this season, when we talk about gifts, we have that on our hearts here at 922 as well. But what I see in a season when two things are so synonymous, Christmas and gifts, is that when you add a third, God, you not only get great things that gifts are, but you get the best gifts ever. And that's our goal over the next four Sundays, today included, and Christmas Eve. To help you unwrap five things that are God's gifts to you and to me. To be able to give you insight on what makes them the best. Why they are called gifts. And hopefully allow you to celebrate that they're not just here and now, Christmas 2023. But gifts that last. Best gifts ever. See, because the truth is, if Christmas and gifts go together, then God and Christmas and gifts are even better. The Bible actually says it. Jesus himself described it when it comes to God and gifts with these words in the Sermon on the Mount. Like maybe a theme verse for this entire series, maybe a thought that you can hold on to as we unwrap all of these gifts over the course of the next several weeks. If you then, though you are evil, 
Know how to give good gifts to your children. Just stop and pause and think about that for a second. You who are evil, that's you and that's me. It's Jesus' audience. He's not saying you're, you're bad people. He's saying you're sinful people. Like you're flawed people. And if you as parents know how to give good gifts, like I want to give my kids good gifts. I hope that what's in there for Zach is a good gift. I want to give my grandkids good gifts. Like if, if you as human beings who are sinful and flawed know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Like maybe as you're thinking of your Christmas list, we can come up with ours here at 922 or the next few weeks of, of our list of gifts that we long for and want from God in heaven. Because here's the truth about God. If that verse is true, if Jesus nails, the, nails it on the, on the head when it comes to the fact that God and gifts are synonymous and God is a, a gift giver, we can say this about God and, and gifts being the best ones ever. God is good at gift making. The Bible would tell you and me that. Every good and perfect gift is from above, the book of James says. Jesus' half-brother coming down from the Father of our heavenly lights. God is good at gift giving. Look at all the blessings that you have in your life. You celebrated many of them this last week and things you're thankful for from the normal to the extreme, the gift of life, the gift of family, the, the different gifts that we celebrate. God is the giver of every last thing and God is good at giving gifts. Especially in comparison to human beings. Like there's this idea out there that, that God's gift giving is not that much different than ours. Like we like to think of ourselves maybe as really good gift givers. But if you do the math when it comes to gift giving, there's a big difference between you and me and God. Like one of those differences is the number of people we give gifts to. Like if you do the math, the odds are pretty good that the people you give gifts to are about 1%. Like the 1% of people that you work with and the, the people that are in your circle and even the people that are in your extended family. Like, like you know that eventually the, the pool shrinks when it comes to gift giving, right? Like I love all my friends and family here at 922, but there aren't many of you that get gifts from me. I work with a staff of 70 plus people and, and not all of them give gifts to me. Uh, a pastor at a church of 3,200 people and some of you are generous and give gifts, but not all of you and that's okay. Because the reality is we pick and choose who we give gifts to and it's about 1%. Like if I did the math, about 35 to 40 people within our church family last year gave my wife and I a gift. That's about 1% of 922. <laughs> and the same is true in your family. Like random third cousin and crazy uncle blank does not get gifts, but, but your godchild does, but not all the other nieces and nephews do. Like you pick and choose who gets gifts. And then just think about those people who you choose to give them to, who's closest to you, who you love. They get gifts from you about 1% of the time during the year. Like on special days. Like if you're fortunate enough to be married and if you're blessed to have children, you might get four gifts. Four days a year. Like you might get an anniversary gift. <laughs> Sorry, honey. We'll take it back to three. You might get an anniversary gift. 
You might get a birthday gift. Sorry, honey. <laughs> I'm really failing this year. We, we agree not to give gifts. No. So anniversaries, birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Christmas. Like four days out of 365. That's about, say it with me, 1%. <laughs> like we give gifts to exclusive people, not all. We give gifts to even those closest to us, rarely. And you know what? When it comes to that 1%, like if you do something or our lives change, the list changes. Like the odds are pretty good if any of the pastors on our staff that you give gifts to move and go somewhere else, unless you really like them and care about them and are going to send them a gift, you'll stop. Like the list changes. It's exclusive. It's dependent. But not with God. Like here's the thing I want you to see about this truth before we get into today's message and really hold on to. God is not a 1% giver picking and choosing who gets it. God is not a 1% of the year giver where he... He gives selectively on special days. No, God is a 100% giver. 100% giver to all people. 100% giver each and every day. Like, like the gifts that God gives, what, what I want you to see over the course of this series, what makes them the best is who they're from. What makes them gifts is, is what they are. And what makes them the best gifts ever is that it's not just a one-time-a-year special occasion gets old and fades away kind of gift. No, this list of gifts is the best ever because they are free, they are yours, they are for all, they last, they don't fade. And we get them even in spite of who we are. Like God doesn't give because you're good, God gives because he's good. Which is why I'm so excited about this series, five things as we prepare for Christmas, as we think about gifts that God wants you and me to know are from him, the one who is good at giving them. And for today's, we're going to turn to the book of John. In fact, we're going to come back to John, I think, each and every week to see these gifts and then use the rest of scripture to help explain them. But to understand today's, the songs that we sang before are going to take us back to uh, today's gift and a name. One of the names of Jesus the one that John uses in John chapter 1. And to help you understand the significance of it, before we get into it, I, I, I want to make a case for two things a day, what this gift is and why it's so significant. Those are the two things I hope I answer for you today to help you understand why it's one of the best gifts ever and what the gift is. Like, it's not like a gift that when you open it up and you go, what is this? How do I use this? What does this mean? Like, Usually when you open up a gift, for the most part, you know what it is and how to use it and why you got it. And why this gift matters and what's underlying this gift today is something we can all understand. So here's the truth behind today's gift. Words reveal hearts. Like words, we, we need to speak and communicate what's going on on the inside, like in our heart, inside of us. Words reveal hearts. Like every parent understands it. When your kid is crying, when, when they're sad, when, when they're mumbling and, and groaning, you oftentimes will say to them, will you use your words to help me understand what's going on in the inside? Why your heart is hurting. Like words reveal your heart. Like how many of you ladies have watched like three weeks worth of Lifetime or, or whatever other show it is, a TV channel that has all the Christmas stories on them? 
Like that lady who falls in love with that man. She's so in love with him and enamored by him. He's the greatest thing ever, but she can't spit out the words to reveal what's in her heart. Don't worry, by the end of it, she will happily ever after. That's how they all end. Just saved you guys from tons of lifetime. Can I get an amen? Like, words reveal our hearts. Like, spouses communicate this way, right? Like, honey, how did I know that that hurt you so much? You didn't tell me. Or, I didn't know that that was going on on the inside. I didn't know that you wanted me to, to follow up with that. Like, words reveal what we're feeling and what's going on in here. They reveal at the heart and core our heart. And words are powerful to relationships. Like, it's powerful to speak words from your heart so the people that are closest to you understand the significance of relationship. I read this quote about gifts. Like, gifts are so vital and important. We give them to people that we love. And, and it's kind of like a message to say, here's how much you matter to me. <laughs> and sometimes based on what we spend, it reveals, you know, the significance versus others. Like, what's going on in our heart, our word reveals it. Like, there's power in speaking words, I love you. <laughs> the person you're doing love with, life with. Say, I forgive you to the person who hurt you. To say, I'm here with you, for you, in this most difficult time. Like, words reveal your heart, where you stand in relationship with them. And so, we, you, because you can relate to that, the power of words and how important they are in life, how they reveal the heart, today's gift and what it is will have maybe new significance to you. John chapter 1 begins with these words. And what makes John's gospel different of the four books about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ is that, that John gives us an introduction to, to Jesus and, and tells of his arrival, but he doesn't give you details of all the other characters like Matthew and Luke do. Like Matthew talks about Mary and Joseph, gives you the genealogy and, and all those nine yards. Luke tells you about Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and Mary and, and then takes you to Bethlehem and, and introduces you to shepherds and wise men. Wait for that. A couple more weeks. We'll get there. And Mark basically gives you an introduction uh, to Jesus but goes right to his ministry. But John, written many years later, introduces Jesus in this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Like John's introduction of Jesus doesn't begin with his name Jesus. <laughs> like the angel Gabriel to Mary and Joseph saying, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It doesn't reference him as the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, which the Old Testament name would have been a great one. No, John goes down a weird path. Like what kind of nickname or title for, for Jesus is the word? Well, a whole lot. If you know anything about philosophy and Greek philosophy, and there's some of you here going, I have no clue about Greek philosophy. Well, let me help you out with a little Greek philosophy. If you've ever heard of a man named Aristotle, one of the most well-known philosophers, 300 BC, 300 years before Jesus was born, 300 years before John would have written this, uh, Aristotle, the philosopher, talked about how do you persuade people to one side or another? He used three words, and they're this. He, he said, if you want to uh, persuade someone, the means of persuasion are logos, pathos, 
and ethos. Like three different steps to persuasion. And it begins with logos, literally the Greek word for word. Like Aristotle understood, if you want to do some persuading, data and facts, which are words, help make your case. And so what does John begin with when he begins his gospel? He begins with logos. He begins with the word. He says, I'm going to give you the data and the facts. Just look back at John 1 verse 1 again. And and John lays out some data and some facts that Jesus, as God, who he is, is not myth, but fact. In the beginning was the word. Like Jesus was there at creation. The word was with God and the word is God. Like this title for Jesus was significant because John wanted his hearers to understand that this person I'm about to talk about for the next 22 chapters, this person that I'm going to unpack for you and reveal to you, is God himself, the one who was there at creation, the one who is God, is whom this whole story rests upon. And, and history doesn't say those facts are wrong, that, that someone named Jesus lived on earth, but John wanted to make the compelling case, persuade you to understand that Jesus was more than just a man. Most importantly, he is God. And not just God, but God who came to earth. Like John chapter 1, verse 14 said, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What this gift is, is God himself, the Word. God. Who came to earth. Who was born with vocal cords. So that people like you and me with, with ears and, and all the elements that are part of our ears could hear. You know what Jesus did for three years of his ministry? You know what the word did? Spoke words. Like he, he spoke over and over and over again to people who are hurting. He spoke to people who were who were suffering. He comforted people who were mourning with words. Like some of you grew up back in the day and some of you might still have that Bible that has for only four books of it, words that are written in red, not black ink. It wasn't because the printers said this is cheaper. Like it's not cheaper to print in two colors. Like anyone knows that. But for four chapters in your middle of the Bible, maybe you never knew this, why this was the case, the letters in red are the words of the word. Who time and time again came and, and told people who, who he is. Like today in your presence, salvation is found. He preached a message of repentance. The kingdom of God is near. Those are Jesus' words. Like the word made sure that people heard the word that God was here. And you know why the word, speaking the word, is so important for us and makes it one of the best gifts ever? What the gift is? Here's the gift of the word who spoke words. What it reveals, no one has ever seen God. Like no one's ever seen God, the Father, God, but the one and only Son, 
God, the Word, made flesh and who dwelled among us. So the one who, who dwelled among us, the Word, who has spoken words, is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father. He, the Son, has made him known. Without the Word, you and I wouldn't get the Word. Without the facts of who he is and what he did, without any of those, if those things never happened, you and I would not know the most important thing about who God is and what God has done. Like without the word, you and I would not have the answers to life's toughest questions. You know the ones people really struggle with? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Like all sorts of religions try to give you words that maybe cause some people to find comfort, but for the most part, leave people still confused and without the right direction. But not so for Christians, not so for Christianity. Like, you know what the word does for you and for me? If words reveal hearts, then you know what the word reveals? God's heart. Like, you want to know why the word, Jesus, God himself, making his dwelling among us, the very living essence of God in human flesh is so important because the word, Jesus Christ, reveals to you and to me the heart of God. Like Jesus coming down reveals to you and to me that you are loved by the Almighty. The fact that Jesus came down, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross reveals to you and to me the amazing grace of God for sinners. It answers, helps answer the question of who you are. Not just a nobody, but somebody loved by God. Why am I here? To, to love God and to share the love of God with others. Where am I going? Not, I don't know. But I'm going to, to heaven to be with Jesus. Like the word reveals the heart of God for you and for me. And you know how Jesus made sure you and I know that? He spoke words. The, the word, the logos, used logos to communicate the heart of God. The heart of God for the sick and dying. The heart of God for the, the ones who were walking around like sheep without a shepherd. The heart of God that longed for sinners to repent and to turn back to God. And perhaps there's no greater example than the word and his words. Very God himself suffering the death of a human being on a cross. Where he spoke words to those who had put him up there, calling on God to forgive. The heart of God on display when he, he saw the people that he loved and he, he took care of his mom. The heart of God that offered grace to the most wicked of criminals today. The word said, you'll be with me in paradise. And the word of the words that in the face of death reminds you and me where we're headed. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He, he lived a life full of faith in God. The word reveals the heart of God for you and me. It's why it is one of the best gifts ever. Like that's a gift from God to you and to me because it reveals the heart of God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see some of the significance of, of other gifts. But I, 
I pray that you are blessed today as we unpack it because you know there are so many other places that we could turn to to find the answers to those questions about life's big issues. And they're not in of themselves bad places. Like, listen to, to you, some people would say. And somewhere deep inside, you've memorized passages and it might be the word, but it not, might not be always the word. Like going with your gut and going with your head might sometimes lead you astray. We might listen to them, like use AI, go to the internet, like Google it, listen to YouTube. There might be all sorts of great resources in your life. They, they might be good, but we know the internet is flawed and so are the human beings. They're not good. <laughs> but there is God. Like if you want to know the heart of God, the word reveals it in the word. And that's why the best gift ever on the list of ones we're going to talk about is the word and his words. And maybe there's a way to sum this up good so make it memorable why you can hold on to this gift, why you need this gift, why God wants you to understand what he wants you to understand makes it the best gift ever to, to help you understand the gift that the word is. What is it that the word revealed to you and to me? What is it that God himself in the form of Jesus Christ reveals to you and me? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, the Apostle Paul speaking to Titus takes us back to Jesus' birth and his arrival. The kindness and love of God appeared. And when it did, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. The word revealed is the best gift ever, four reasons, four truths. You can take it to heart, take it home. The word revealed that God is good. Like promise made, promise kept. The word coming to earth. The word uh, revealing God the Father himself. The word revealed that God is good. He is who he says he is. He followed through on his, his promise and he gives us the present. Second, the word revealed, the fact that Jesus Christ came, reminds you and me that we aren't good. He would not have had to come if we were good. We're not. We're sinful, in need of help. Without the word and his words, without Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, with God we were not good. The Bible tells us and reveals that. The word revealed God's good, we're not good. And the word, Jesus, reveals in his life, his actions, his death, that God did good. <laughs> like he did good for you and for me. He overcame the fact that we weren't good through his perfect life and his ultimate sacrifice. And he did good by keeping his ultimate promise in coming and living and dying. And perhaps here's why the word is one of the things on our list of gifts. The word revealed and reveals that you and God as a result, are good. Like, where you're headed, good. When it comes to forgiven and peace with God, you're good. When it comes to your purpose, you're good. God gives it to you. All those things are a result of the word revealed. That God is good, we're not good. God did good, you and God are good. And so John, who starts with this weird word, the word, closes his book near the end of the life of Jesus, reminding you and me of the, why the, the word, God, and the words he spoke from God's own lips, and the word, and the stories that John records about the word, 
why it's one of the best gifts ever. These words are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Gifts. You're probably going to get a lot of good ones. <laughs> Maybe you'll get the best gift ever. You'll remember it each and every day from this point going forward. But gifts come and go this side of heaven. But the gifts God gives, you and me, we're going to talk about them in the next few weeks, begin and end with one of the best gifts ever, the word, God himself, Jesus Christ, who's revealed the heart of God for you and me. <laughs> so we might have life with him forever. Let's pray thanking God for the best gift that he's given. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, our Savior Jesus. We thank you for his words that reveal your heart. And we thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given to us that reminds us that we're good with you because Jesus did good. So Lord, we thank you for grace and mercy and forgiveness. But today we thank you for the word. That name that reminds us of the facts of who he is and all that he did and what it means for us. Best gifts ever.